welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Now, after John was arrested... Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last Sunday, I read a great article in the Atlanta paper all about Monica Pearson, who you might know as Monica Kaufman. For years, she reported on Channel 2's Evening News. She was a fixture of Atlanta television reporting for more than 30 years. And since retiring, you might imagine that she has been taking it easy. Instead, since retiring, she earned a master's degree. She's hosted multiple TV and radio shows. And at least once a week, she will emcee a charity event or speak to a civic group or school. Her husband now says that the only thing his wife has ever failed at is retirement. (laughs) That's true for a lot of people I know and love. A friend of mine who lives in Columbia, Tennessee, once, once nearly pulled his hair out watching his retired father spend an hour polishing his shoes. He couldn't understand why his father, once so busy, would polish his shoes so slowly, so meticulously, handling each one, painstakingly rubbing polish all over every surface of the leather, and taking an unnecessarily long time to buff the shoes after that. My friend James was tempted to take over, saying, let me do it, Dad. This has taken you forever. Only his retired father responded. 24 hours in a day, son, got to fill it with something. Now that James has retired, he understands a little bit better this way of thinking. Maybe you do as well. As for me, in the stage of life that I'm in, I don't have any trouble filling up my my 24 hours with two active daughters, a wife who works full-time, and so much happening here at the church. Some days it seems as though 24 hours is not enough. And I bring up this point simply to say that not having enough to do may be worse than having too much to do. Perhaps that's why Monica Pearson is not the only one who has failed at retirement. For people who know what it feels like to do good work that makes a difference in the world have trouble giving up that feeling. I once heard comedian Chris Rock describe the difference between a job and a career. 
He said that when you have a rewarding career, you can get lost in your work. You, you sit down and the time passes so quickly. After dedicating yourself to an important task, you might glimpse at your watch and say something like, five o'clock already, where did the time go? On the other hand, you know that you don't have a career but a job because you reward yourself by looking up at the clock to see how much time has passed. Maybe you're scraping food off of dishes in a busy restaurant and you put your head down to scrape a whole pile in the hope that when you look back at the clock, 10 minutes has passed. I've had jobs like that. In high school, I was that dishwasher at the Wynwood Retirement Community, and there were some days when my three-hour shift felt like three days. Then I cut grass for a living for a while, and on my crew was a man who drank gin during those hot Atlanta summers the way I was drinking Gatorade. Why? Because some people get stuck in jobs. Not everyone gets to do something that they love for a living. So picture with me these two sets of brothers who answer the call to follow Jesus. The first two were casting their nets into the sea. The second pair were sitting in a boat, mending their nets. The Gospel of Mark uses the word immediately twice as they left their jobs at the call of Jesus. The first two immediately left their nets and followed him. The second pair of brothers are invited to follow. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired hands and followed him. Can you imagine why they responded to Jesus this way. Think with me about their motivation. Think with me about their immediate response. Do you know why they would drop their nets and even leave their father in the boat to follow Jesus? My friends, we are all hungry for the opportunity to do something meaningful. We all have an ache in our heart to do something life-giving, and there is no life more meaningful, there is no pursuit more life-giving than following Jesus. All his disciples know that already. Yesterday, I woke up before the rest of my family and drinking my first cup of coffee, I watched an interview of the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. These two giants of spirituality captured the interest of one journalist who was interviewing them because they always seemed so happy and he wanted to know why. We know already. We know what it feels like to follow him and to feel that joy of making a difference. I feel it when I show up at a funeral and the grieving family thanks me for reminding them that they are not alone in their grief. I feel it when I, I write a thank you note and then see that thank you note later on the refrigerator of the person I sent it to. I know the joy of living a life, not in the pursuit of accumulating more things, but in the pursuit of being a part of some things that truly matter. I expect you know what that feels like too. 
And so I believe we are wrong to imagine that there was something especially faithful about these first four disciples. On reading, we might say, isn't it miraculous how these four dropped everything to follow Jesus? They're saints, they're holy, they're special, they're different from normal people. No, they're not. They were sitting there mending nets, watching the time go by, and wondering to themselves, isn't there supposed to be something more to this life? When suddenly that invitation to that something more came walking by. Do you know what it feels like to get that kind of invitation? I do. Last weekend, we went to visit some friends in Columbia, Tennessee. We lived there for nearly seven years while the girls were little. Our daughter Cece was born there and the friends we made there are, are special to us. The friends our daughters made there are special to them so special, in fact, that when our daughter Lily's friend, Mary Dudley Hill of Columbia, Tennessee, was turning 15 last Saturday, Lily asked if we could go to visit and celebrate her friend's birthday, and so we went. Every time we go to visit that place, I think about how many friends we made there and how special it was. When we visit, I always think back to that decision to sell our house there, to move down here. What was it about the opportunity to move here to Marietta that made us want to pull up the roots we'd put down to move someplace new? My wife Sarah will say that the moment I learned that in this church, the senior pastor gets his own private bathroom... She knew that we were moving. <laughs> but that wasn't it. That was part of it, but that wasn't it. <laughs> the thing that did it, the thing that I couldn't stop thinking about was the idea that I might come here and be useful. The idea that my time here would have meaning was so captivating that I couldn't stop thinking about it. The idea that I might make a difference here was so compelling that I can understand exactly why those four disciples dropped their nets and left their father immediately. Immediately because there is no better feeling than the feeling of making a difference. Do you know that feeling? You might get it from your job. You might get it from your grandchildren. You might get it from your kids. You might get it from the, the time when you take the time to write a note or to show up at a funeral. You might feel it when you give a thoughtful gift or, or see a student you taught years ago and he stops and takes the time to say thank you. Consider those moments and know that so many people in this world are just working for a living. Many people in this world are just killing time, wondering to themselves, isn't there something more to this life? And that's where I believe the church has to come in. 
The church must come into people's lives just as Jesus walked into the lives of those four disciples to invite them and to show them how to live a life of meaning which will bring them not just happiness but joy. Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Come on Tuesday and we will help you give food to hungry folks. Come on Wednesday and join the choir. Come on Sunday and teach Sunday school. There are so many invitations which people accept, which we have accepted. And this morning, I ask you to think for a moment about why. Why would we say yes and why would anyone add one more thing to their plate? Why would people get up off the couch if they don't have to? What does the church have to offer these people in return for their time and for their labor? We can't pay them. We work them hard and so much of what they do is thankless. Why would we say yes? Maybe it's better if we don't ask them or bother them with the invitation we are sometimes tempted to believe. That was part of Jonah's problem in a sense. Chris Harrison read in our first scripture lesson that the Lord said to Jonah a second time saying, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah didn't think that they would listen Jonah didn't think that they would respond, and I can be just like that. Last Monday morning, I was honored to take part in a Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebration. They asked me if I would give the benediction at the end of the celebration, and I said, yes, I was, I was honored to take part. But then when the organizer asked if we would also be willing to serve lunch... I got nervous about agreeing to that because I couldn't imagine that anyone else would want to serve strangers lunch on their day off. Can you relate to that way of thinking? Many Presbyterians can. In fact, the old joke goes, what do you mix, what do you get when you mix a Mormon and a Presbyterian? Somebody who knocks on your door but doesn't know what to say. <laughs> I get scared asking people to do stuff. I know how good it feels to be involved. I know how good it feels to do something that makes a difference. But when I have the opportunity to invite someone else, sometimes I am too scared to ask. Sometimes I think I know what they will say before I even open my mouth. And so I stay as silent as Jonah. I stay as silent as I was at my first school dance, too scared to invite anyone to dance, so I just stood at the snack table eating brownies. However, the MLK committee asked Rose Wing if we would serve lunch, and she said we'd do it. She then called Jeff Knapp, who showed up and showed the youth group how to cook soup and make sandwiches in the kitchen. Rose called Andy Tatnell. Rose called Denise Slobodinsky, who brought along her boyfriend, Eric. Rose called Bill Pardue. She called and asked Clyde Grant. And Clyde told me that before the invitation was even out of Rose's mouth, he had already said yes. Immediately, he dropped his net. 
and followed. Why? Because people are hungry for the opportunity to live a life of meaning. The right invitation to the right person is so compelling that it may elicit an immediate response for people are hungry to make a difference in this world. My friends, remember that. And get up and go and invite some people to follow Jesus with you. It may change their whole life. And certainly, in making a difference to them, it will change yours. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia. Or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.